And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi and Matt Barrows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, white smoke is coming from Levi Stadium, Fort Anders HQ. Matt, they have a backup quarterback. They have a QB, too, and it's Sam Darnold. Trey Lance is still on the team as of right now. 49ers actually expect him to be on the team this year because there probably isn't much of a trade market right now. We'll say probably just to be safe, but it's Brock Purdy QB1, Sam Darnold QB2, Trey Lance QB3 with Brandon Allen waiting around. We'll see what happens with him. Next piece of decision-making for the 49ers is the 53-man roster, and then after that, the regular season is, is here, so... The big news, though, Darnold QB2 after a battle with Trey Lance this offseason. Yeah, and um, that was uh, where it was uh, heading. Um, I actually thought that Lance was ahead of Darnold early on in camp, uh, you know, maybe even going into that Raiders week. Um, but uh, Darnold uh, really looked good in that Raiders game. He looked better in those practices out there. Uh, they were similar, I think, in this recent game against the Broncos. But obviously, there's something that Kyle Shanahan and his coaches are seeing. And it may be related to, you know, uh, Trey Lance's old issues, which is uh, mechanics and uh, things like that, where I think he's made real strides from where he was coming out of that finger injury. But there are times, especially when, you know, uh, protection breaks down, he has to move, things like that, where he might be lapsing back into those things. And, um, you know, as you've written, um, having somebody who's consistent as the number two, having that high floor as sort of your parameter for the number two, that's where uh, Sam Darnold, I think, had started to... Uh, distinguish himself. It, it, it hasn't been quite as, uh, I don't know, stark uh, to me at least as uh, Shanahan was portraying it, but you kind of get what he's saying, that uh, the natural thrower of the two is Darnold, and the more that Darnold plays in this, um, in this offense, the more that that aspect starts to distinguish itself. And you saw that uh, against the Broncos, uh, Darnold had some really nice throws. And the other thing is that Darnold has not been putting the ball up for grabs. That was the big critique of Sam Darnold over the first four years of his career through a lot of interceptions. And um, you've been sharding at David two in practice and one in a game that wasn't his fault. It was the one that uh, slipped through uh, Ronnie Bell's hand. So I, I got to believe that that played a big part of it as well. I think that's the big thing because we talk about floor for the backup quarterback position. You want somebody who's got a command of the huddle and command of game situations. You can't have the offense fall off out of an efficiency cliff 
in case Brock Purdy misses a series here or a game here. So you're looking for that higher floor. Sam Darnold, unfortunately, early in his career, demonstrated a very low floor because he was a turnover machine. But we have to remember that all started turning around last year. He had a better than average interception rate in his time starting for the Panthers over the final six games last season. And I think that was very, very crucial in attracting the 49ers to Sam Darnold. And they felt that looking at his tape, not only from last year, but his whole career, they thought that they could uh, really take those interceptions out of his game by integrating him with Kyle Shanahan's scheme. And to me, when, you know, this was a QB2 battle the whole way. The, the QB1 thoughts for Darnold and Lance ended when Brock Purdy came back fully healthy at the start of training camp. And so when, when the parameters were set on a QB2 battle, the 49ers needed Darnold to show that his – worst quality of the past was no longer an issue within the context of the 49ers scheme. And th those were the interceptions for Trey Lance. He needed to show that his worst quality of the past was no longer an issue. And that was accuracy on gimme on short throws. And one of those two quarterbacks completely answered the, the questions about his biggest weakness. And that was Sam Darnold, e even with Lance and his improvement, we still saw uh, uh, quite a few misses on short passes. And, and that even stretched later into training camp. And Lance would be hot and cold, right? It'd normally start cold and then get hot over time. It seemed like he would take, take a while to get into rhythm. And that's the opposite quality of what you want out of a backup quarterback because your backup is not necessarily going to be playing entire games. Sometimes Brock Purdy might miss a series, right? That, that could happen. And your number two needs to be somebody who could hop in there, plug into the system right away, and could be somebody that keeps the line moving. And if Trey Lance opens 0 for 4 practice, if that's what he's doing in a game, if it takes him three possessions to warm up, just by default, he's not the best choice for number two. So Lance didn't show, I think, the raising of the floor that the 49ers needed, and Darnold definitely did because the biggest issue in his game, those interceptions, that hasn't been an issue so far. So uh, the 49ers actually don't hope that they get to find out during the regular season because that, that would mean that Brock Purdy's unavailable, right? But in case they do have to find out during the regular season, I think the 49ers are confident now that Darnold will not be a giveaway machine in those circumstances. Yeah, and um, if Darnold does have to come in, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Not just the, the normal pressure that uh, a number two quarterback on a very good team has, but you heard it against the Broncos when, when Trey Lance finally came off the bench with, what, like a minute uh, or so to go in the third quarter, he had a really nice ovation from the crowd. So he's got a lot of supporters out there, and given his draft status— and given, you know, the potential that has been promised over the last three years about him, you know, uh, Sam Darnold, if he comes into games, he's going to have to perform right away because he's going to have, it's going to be a big question mark as to, you know, how soon should Trey Lance come in to replace Darnold. So it's, uh, as it always is, there's going to be a lot of drama surrounding the, the quarterback position. It's not going to end uh, with the start of the uh, the regular season, or maybe it will. I mean, uh, Brock Purdy stays healthy for 17 games. There won't be uh, a lot of drama, I don't think. But, um, you know, history has shown that's, that's a difficult proposition. How many uh, starting quarterbacks played all 17 games last year? So uh, the chances that we do see Sam Darnold or Trey Lance, I think are still pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, and last year, I think there was only seven quarterbacks in the entire NFL who started all 17 games. And the yeah, 49ers, it's yeah, it's an amazing stat. The seasons are longer than they ever were. Uh, I, you would think the quarterbacks are, are more protected now by the rules, but they're, they're getting hurt at a high rate. And the 49ers were on the extreme end and have been on the extreme end of the quarterback injury rate spectrum. So you need depth in that room. Uh, that's absolutely a truth based on data. The 49ers sought out to build depth in that room this offseason. They went out and they signed Sam Darnold to an incentive-laden deal where the lower end is worth about $4 million and the upper end is worth about $11.5 million. So Darnold can make up to eleven point five if they do have to use him very extensively. Uh, it almost certainly won't be that much money, though, because it, Brock Purdy would have to be hurt right away and Darnold would have to come in. But all of the 49ers moves this offseason make sense. And now we look at what the 49ers might do moving forward. And, you know, I think that you can now, you know, in the time as a flat circle category, you can look to what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo last season to illustrate what they might do with Trey Lance this season. And last season with Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the 49ers saw a quarterback with, I mean, it, value to them, right? They see quarterbacks everywhere, and this is how you should view quarterbacks, in my opinion, as currency. They're assets at the most important position. We saw the 49ers, Matt, contort themselves throughout the entire 2022 calendar year to keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. They realized we don't want to give away this asset for free at the most important position. So despite the fact that Garoppolo had a big cap hit last year, the 49ers contorted themselves. They created uh, restructures so that they could fit Garoppolo on the team throughout the beginning of the new league year. And they, they held him all the way until they couldn't hold them anymore until that 53 man roster cut down approached. And then lo and behold at that 53 man roster cut down or right before it, Jimmy Garoppolo realized that his best option and the 49ers realized that their best option would be to come to agreement on a restructured deal, a cheaper deal to keep him around. And boy, in retrospect, are the 49ers happy that they kept him around through the whole year and bought themselves time, even though they didn't know that was going to happen, because they ended up reaching an optimal conclusion in the Jimmy Garoppolo saga. They got quarterback depth at a cheap price that they ended up really needing over the course of the season. So the Trey Lance situation is different because there's different contractual variables here. He's on a guaranteed rookie contract, all that good stuff. But the same principle applies, right? Quarterbacks are currency. Quarterbacks are assets. And the 49ers don't want to give them away for free because you'd never know how Lance, even though he's quarterback three now, might come in handy for the 49ers this season. Yeah, that uh, brings us to the, the fourth quarterback, 49ers chewed through four last season, of course, and the fourth guy is Brandon Allen, and our colleague at uh, The Athletic, Paul Diener, out in Cincinnati, wrote a story recently about the Bengals' uh, need for quarterbacks, and he went over the list of guys who might be available, and number one on his list was Brandon Allen. Um, I know that the 49ers would love to uh, get Brandon Allen on the practice squad, have him as, uh, as an option this year. Um, I just don't know whether that's going to happen. I, I can't see them keeping four, right? I mean, this is a loaded roster. You and I are having trouble, uh, you know, filling out a 53-man roster with just three quarterbacks. So Brandon Allen is, is an asset 
Um, uh, wanted to ask you what you think happens with him and whether, you know, the 49ers have any um, trade um, uh, capital uh, right as we're getting down to cut down day. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're looking into a, a Trey Lance trade. I don't, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that they're going to get an offer that's going to move the needle for them. But who are some other pieces that uh, might be tradable on this team? Well, as far as Brandon Allen goes to answer that question first, I think that what he does is he gives the 49ers more optionality at the quarterback position. Because if there is a trade partner for somebody like Trey Lance, the 49ers don't have to think twice about accepting an offer that they find tantalizing because Brandon Allen could just slide up into that QB3 role. I think that we're operating from a baseline truth uh, of that the 49ers want three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster this year. They want to take advantage of the third quarterback rule, the emergency QB rule that was reinstituted in large part because of what they went through. And to do that, you have to have three on the 53 because that third won't count against the game day 46 and you could still activate him in the case of an, an emergency. So uh, Allen gives the 49ers option power at QB. The most likely trade candidate obviously is Trey Lance in that regard. Now, you can't fully rule out the 49ers carrying four quarterbacks. You could probably rule it out 98%, but there still is that 2% chance that the 49ers say, hey, maybe you know we want to carry more option power into the season because what what the quarterback market trade market looks like right now is not necessarily what it's going to look like four or five weeks from now. Regular season starts, guys can start getting hurt, you know, all kinds of stuff can happen and it probably will happen. Openings might, uh, you know, materialize elsewhere. And all of a sudden, boom, in week three, there, there, there might be a chance to, to chip Trey Lance away somewhere. Right. And in that case, you'd be happy that you had Brandon Allen around because you could just slide him into QB three. Now, maybe they're able to sneak Brandon Allen into the practice squad. But that is a tougher proposition to gauge because there are other teams like the Bengals who might want another backup quarterback. And Brandon Allen was with the Bengals previously, so that would be a perfect fit for him. So the 49ers have to make a determination. I think in all likelihood, when you look at this, they'll have to risk uh, releasing Brandon Allen, hoping they can re-sign him to their practice squad because the opportunity cost of carrying four quarterbacks on a loaded roster is 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 a significant one. As far as other positions go, linebacker is the one that we've been circling for a while, Matt, as far as, okay, the 49ers might have a surplus here. I know it's tougher now with Oren Burks being hurt, probably not going to be back until week one. That being said, I think that Burks' injury is not a major one, and he's a known commodity. So if somebody wants Oren Burks and offers the 49ers enough for him, then they might jump at that just because they have a lot of good options at linebacker, not just the rookies uh, and D Winters and Jalen Graham, but uh, you know, Demetrius Flanagan Foles is a player who the 49ers I think are going to carry or trade because he's got some guaranteed money on, on his contract that would incur a big dead money hit. And for a team that's, you know, just right up against the cap, every dollar is significant. So you have a lot of bodies at linebacker, and you might have a bit of a surplus there. So that's the one position that I would really be looking for a trade at. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't uh, know what D'Amico Ryan's uh, thought of uh, Demetrius Flanagan Foles or Marcelino McCrary Ball. Um, but, I mean, if he was short, he's familiar with that group. 
Um, that might be something that uh, that tempts uh, D'Amico out in Houston. I don't know what their linebacker situation is, but there's familiarity there. Um, and then Zane Gonzalez is the the other guy we've been talking about quite a bit. Um, and uh, I don't know if the, the kicker situation around the NFL has ever been more precarious than it is now. Um, you know, at least uh, four or five teams could, uh, you know, uh, be looking to make a move there. Now, there are other teams uh, that are in the same situation as the 49ers where they've got two kickers and are going to, um, you know, uh, wave one. Uh, on Tuesday. So those teams may be looking in, in those situations. I think the Chargers, for example, have two quality kickers. But uh, I think the number of those teams is fewer than the number of teams that are looking to upgrade a kicker. So, uh, uh, you know, seventh rounder, you know, conditional seventh rounder is not going to be high for Zane Gonzalez, but the 49ers would, uh, would definitely take it. And by the way, this year, it's uh, the motto has been the uh, the fifth round is the money round for the 49ers. This year, it's the seventh round that really looks like the money round for the 49ers. You got Jalen Graham looks really good. Uh, you've got Ronnie Bell looks really good, and you've got uh, Braden Willis who looks pretty good too. Uh, so all three of their seventh rounders look like quality picks. Uh, my point being that the 49ers will not look down their nose at a uh, conditional seventh because it could turn into a Ronnie Bell. Uh, to turn into Brock Purdy. <laughs> turn into Brock. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm bearing the lead. Uh, it could turn into Brock Purdy, for crying out loud. So, uh, yeah, that would, uh, that would be a nice little feather in their cap. And, you know, I, that leads us right to what you wrote about uh, yesterday after the Sam Darnold news. There's just been this... You know, obviously people are really passionate about this situation because the 49ers invested so much in Trey Lance. But, uh, you know, the 49ers have taken some some criticism and, and obviously the, the, the Trey Lance move hasn't worked out at least so far. And there are reasons why it hasn't worked out that I think are important to talk about, such as the two injuries that Trey Lance has suffered in his two years. But, you know, a lot of people zoom in on, OK, this pick didn't work. Well, what about all the lower round picks that have worked for the 49ers? And, you know, I compare it to the stock market. You, you, you don't judge the broker by individual stocks and how they perform. You judge him by the entire portfolio, right? And the 49ers' entire portfolio has been lifted by these lower round picks. Brock Purdy, Jawan Jennings, maybe Ronnie Bell, maybe Jalen Graham now. But you can go back to 2017, George Kittle in the fifth round. DJ Jones, remember him back in the sixth round? Then, then they got a compensatory pick when DJ Jones left. Dre Greenlaw was a fifth rounder. Fred Warner was a third rounder in 2018. I mean, uh, th this 49ers team has done a good job with the entire portfolio of draft picks. And that theme seems like it, it might continue with some of these rookies that we've seen out of the later round here in 2023. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Talano Hufanga is a fifth pick. Damador Lenore is a fifth round pick. Uh, so uh, it's it's been the fifth round has been their uh, their magic round, but uh, they're they're absolutely getting uh, quality players later in the draft. Um, you know, I, I really think that um, you know the fact that Lynch and Shanahan have been together for uh, since 2017. This is their seventh season together. Um, that, that's, that's one of the longest tenures. I mean, there, there might, uh, I guess the, 
the Pete Carroll, John Schneider uh, relationship in uh, Seattle is longer. And then in, in Baltimore, it's not Ozzie Smith anymore, but it's Ozzie Smith's lieutenant, Eric DaCosta, uh, who's been there for a while. Uh, but those, uh, those relationships are rare. And the longer you go with the same group, the, the better the personnel department understands the coaching staff and uh, vice versa. And I just think that um, you get better at picking the types of guys that you want. I, mean, I think Jalen Graham is just a fantastic example. Teams didn't like Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham didn't get high draft grades from most of the NFL um, because he did not look the part of a, uh, a linebacker. He's basically a safety Kind of, uh, you, you see him now. I mean, he's uh, he's tall, he's long, he's angular. He's not a classic linebacker, but he's the type of linebacker that the 49ers have really, uh, or, or rather the uh, type of linebacker who's excelled in the 49ers system. I mean, starting with Fred Warner. He's basically a nickel, a big nickel cornerback at BYU. Marcelino McCrary Ball played the same position at Indiana. Demetrius Flanagan Foles was a safety at uh, at Arizona, so the the 49ers uh, scouting staff, you know, knows how to find those guys, uh, knows what to look for, and and that's what that's what allows you to get a Jalen Graham at I forget where he was picked. It was the very end of the seventh round, not Mister Irrelevant, but he was close to being Mister Irrelevant, um, and I, I just think that that probably has gone underappreciated uh, by 49ers fans. Absolutely. And it's part of the story of how this team has been able to replenish its talent, even after paying so many high priced players. And that list of high priced players is only growing because these draft picks have played well. So then they come up for new contracts and the cycle has to continue. But uh, when you pick really well in the late rounds and you develop good players out of it, some of those players are inevitably going to leave because they're not superstars and you don't pay them. But when they leave and they get paid more money elsewhere, you generally win in the compensatory pick formula. And the 49ers have raked in a ton of compensatory picks. Well, guess where compensatory picks are in the draft? They're between the third and the seventh rounds. So those are lower picks. So you could see how this turns into a self-perpetuating cycle. If you're good picking in the later rounds, if your scouting department knows exactly what to zero in on because they sit in on meetings with the coaching staff, then you're going to succeed for the most part, again, with those lower round compensatory selections that you earned because you succeeded with earlier lower round picks, right? So it just continues to feed itself over time. That's one of the ways the Patriots stayed good for so long. Obviously, Mr. Brady was another part of that reason. The 49ers haven't had as much stability at quarterback as the dynastic Patriots, but uh, they've been good now for several years. They're Super Bowl contenders year in and year out, and you really have to look at their formula to appreciate how they're doing it. That being said, Matt, uh, Super Bowl chances this year. We're closing in on week one. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the week one opponent. Uh, how do you think this 49ers team is is constructed to withstand the marathon on its way to a title? I'll give you my brief synopsis right now. I think that 1 through 30 they're better than they were last season. Javon Hargrave gives the 49ers more star power this year. I think that they made a couple nice pickups this offseason, and they're ready to go 1 through 30. But I do think that depth from 30 to 53 might be a little bit weaker. And the more most 
pronounced spot where it's weaker is is the exterior offensive line because you've lost McGlinchey at right tackle, so the swing tackle, McKivitz, has moved up to right tackle. And then between Jalen Moore and Matt Pryor, I know Leroy Watson's in that mix too, but he seems to be a little bit behind um, the, the other two. I, I don't think you're as strong as you were last year for the 49ers when they had a guy like Daniel Brunskill who might have been able uh, to play anywhere when you had McKivitz as your swing tackle. So they might be more top-heavy this year, but I think that depth, they, they, they do need to develop and work on that over the course of this season if they want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I don't think the 49ers are unique in that, that uh, beyond their, their five starters, they're uh... – they're pretty thin. That's a, that's an NFL-wide uh, issue. But um, you know, uh, the 49ers' O-line was was good last year. Uh, but you know, they got they got lucky in a way. They didn't have uh, any long-term injuries at that at, at that position. Um, I don't know whether you can count on all five guys having that sort of uh, that sort of health uh, two years in a row. And uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm still not quite sure what's happening at offensive tackle. Um, uh, Jalen Moore and Matt Pryor are ostensibly competing to be the swing tackle, but uh, Moore hasn't played any right tackle, and Pryor, uh, more to the point, hasn't played any left tackle. So I don't see how Pryor could be your, your swing tackle if he's never played on the left side. Uh, and Chris Furster says he's still picking up the system. Uh, so at some point, um, he'll be able to, to do both, but he hasn't gotten any practice at it. So I got to think that Jalen Moore is the swing tackle, uh, certainly for week one in Pittsburgh. And then you're right, the interior offensive line, uh, John Feliciano had a, had a rough game against the Broncos. He's your top option at both guard and center. And then you've got uh, Nick Sakel after that. And Zakel's had a very bumpy training camp. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a leap of faith with him. And then after that, it's really slim pickings. So um, it's tough. So, you know, uh, cut down day will be interesting. Um, this is a team that picked up Blake Hance. Um, some of the more astute fans may remember that. Hance came in and lasted, I don't know, maybe uh, two months. And then the 49ers didn't think much of him and and they waived him, but um, it just does underscore that they're scouring the waiver wires. Even a team as talented as the 49ers, scouring the waiver wires and really looking for offensive linemen. The, the problem is, I think, you know, 31 other teams are, are doing the same thing. Um, the other area uh, of concern, to me at least, uh, well, nickel cornerback, and we, we've talk, talked about that, hard to see the 49ers finding a starting nickel cornerback on the waiver wire. So it's, it's going to be Isaiah Oliver and Diamador Lenore um, uh, going into the season. Um, the the defense, uh, the uh, depth at defensive end isn't fantastic. Um, you got Bosa, you got Cleveland Farrell. I think Farrell really has sort of distinguished himself. Um, and then you've got Drake Jackson. And then it's not great after that. Austin Bryant, um, they haven't gotten anything out of Robert Beal, their fifth rounder. This is part of the reason why the fifth round is not the money round this year. Uh, both Beal and Darrell Luter, the cornerback out of South Alabama, have been hurt for uh, virtually all of training camp. So neither of those guys is going to make an impact um, early on, certainly in 
2023, and, and maybe not at all in 2023. And then the, the last position, um, kicker. I mean, uh, Jake Mooney has not kicked confidently in the two preseason games. He's kicked confidently in practice, certainly was confident kicker at Michigan, but uh, the NFL is really rough on rookie kickers. The the Browns uh, picked a, a rookie last year, Kay York, uh, in the fourth round, not too far from where the 49ers took Moody. And York did not have a great year, uh, not, not a great uh, percentage, and he struggled in the preseason as well. Young kickers struggle in the NFL. Now, there are excep- exceptions to that rule, Justin Tucker being a, a really nice one out in Baltimore for the longest uh, time. And uh, that's who people think uh, Jake Moody will be like, Justin Tucker. Um, you know, uh, but it, it's still, uh, like I said, a leap of faith. It's a risk that uh, this, this young guy comes into the NFL and uh, automatically is one of the elite guys. Usually they struggle. So that could be an issue for a team that uh, really hasn't had to worry about its kicker for the last few seasons. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And that's one reason why Zane Gonzalez is still on this team. I, I look at Zane Gonzalez's insurance in case it goes south quickly with Jake Moody, like a Robert Arguayo, another third-round uh, pick. And I look at Zane Gonzalez as a potential asset that you could flip for a pick, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Matt, if Moody is steady out of the gate. Now, you know, 49ers were s- sailing smooth with Jake Moody during – the dog days of camp, he was drilling everything, including 60-plus yarders at practice. All of a sudden, the lights came on, though, during a game, and it wasn't quite as pretty against the Raiders. And then even last week, when he had the game winner, his first-ever walk-off winner against the Broncos, he didn't hit a single one of those field goals or extra points cleanly, and he missed an extra point. But it was progress. He actually made some, and he made the game winner, so it was better than week one. But I'll tell you what, the 49ers really want to see Moody uh, hit all of his kicks clean this week against Denver because that would give them, I think, some confidence to part ways with Zane Gonzalez. And you, you definitely would like that roster spot come come Tuesday. You'd like Gonzalez to firmly shift from the insurance side of uh, the Venn diagram to the asset side of the Venn diagram, right? And uh, that that's that's really where the 49ers are at kicker right now. When you talk about the offensive line and, you know, scouring the waiver wire, that, that's we can tie this a little bit to Trey Lance. And I think, you know, we talked about a potential trade and how it's unlikely. Here's my overarching stance on a Lance trade. I think he brings you 
tangible value as long as he is on this roster because you ran out of quarterbacks last year. There's nothing wrong with stocking up at the position this year. So if you're in a win-now mode, Trey Lance on the roster objectively makes you better. How much better? I'm not sure. It depends on if your quarterbacks get hurt in front of him, but he does make you better. You would have needed him last year, for example. So if you do trade him away and you're in a win-now mode for the 49ers, you're going to need an asset in return or assets in return that can make you better now. Draft picks won't make you better now. They can make you better in 2024. So by definition, that means you're going to need players in return. So if we talk about the 49ers scouring the waiver wire at tackle, if we talk about them scouring the waiver wire elsewhere, we also can talk about the potential of them trading Lance for a player, for a swing tackle, or it could be a complicated trade. I, I don't think it's likely, but it's definitely something that could be possible to benefit the 49ers now, right? And I think that if there is a trade of Lance this year, Matt, uh, it, th there will be a player in return. That's going to be the, the bold prediction I make right now because I do think the 49ers are operating in win-now terms with how they treat Trey Lance. They're not thinking about picks in the future. They're thinking about how can we make this 2023 team better. And one of the positions of need, when you hear Chris Furster saying they need more from Jalen Moore, and when you hear Furster saying that Matt Pryor can't play left tackle, that right now he's got to play right tackle, well, one of the positions of need, in my opinion, is swing tackle and, and backup offensive line. Yeah, and we were just talking about where the 49ers uh, have a, a glut of players, linebacker, um, uh, I'd, I'd love to know where the gluts are around the league, whether there, there is a team out there that has, you know, multiple, uh, really good candidates at nickel cornerback or, uh, you know, too many defensive ends, quality defensive ends to hold on to. Uh, the 49ers know this, uh, they, they keep close tabs on everybody's roster. So, um, you know, it's it's absolutely uh, possible now uh, for that to marry up where that team needs a uh, a quarterback looking for you know quarterback of the future. Um, uh, that's that's going to be a difficult proposition, but yeah, that that's certainly um, a possibility. Um, you know, moving any of the guys that we talked about uh, for uh, a different player. 49ers have not been shy about engaging other teams in those types of uh, discussions, um, you know, before the season, during the season, et cetera. So uh, trades have been, you know, a hallmark of, uh, of Lynch and Shanahan. Um, trying to remember the name of the linebacker. Oh, Jonas Griffith that they sent out to uh, the Broncos uh, a few years ago. They made the yeah. trade for Lakin Tomlinson. That was a big one. Um, and that was a really uh, a, a smart trade for the 49ers. That, that paid real dividends. Uh, that was shortly after cut-down day, I think, and Tomlinson came in. I'm not sure if he played that first week, but he was uh, entrenched as a starter from that point forth, and the 49ers uh, got a, a nice compensatory pick for him. So that was a, a real win in the trade department for uh, Martin Mayhew and, and John Lynch right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. They've been very aggressive. But one of the big, I think, uh, mischaracterizations of what this 49ers front office has, has been like is that they haven't been aggressive enough. They've spent money. They've made trades. I mean, they've been very bold. If uh, You can't, can't accuse them of uh, standing pat and not doing anything when they put it all in for that Trey Lance 
uh, deal. And it turns out it might not have been all in because normally when you go all in and it doesn't work out, uh, you end up losing a lot. But the 49ers have continued winning. So they, they pushed a lot into the middle of the table for Trey Lance, but not all of it. And we already explained how they are able to succeed despite the fact that that so far has been inefficient. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers were active, given some of their surpluses, given some of their needs, if they're active here on the trade market at the roster cut-down deadline. I mean, just going through this position by position, Matt, linebacker is one of the ones that I'm, I'm curious about. Who are they going to carry? Who, who won't they carry? To fit the, the players who are worthy of making an NFL roster, I think the 49ers need to carry six linebackers, but that might not be possible because then you go up and down the rest of the roster and maybe they're going to want 10 in that D-line room. I think it's more likely they carry nine just because of constraints everywhere. Secondary, well, you know, I think they're, they've already made one of the moves at, at secondary and it's more of a non-move. They haven't activated Darrell Luter from PUP, even though we've seen him out on the field you know, just watching practice for weeks now. When they were doing the rookie hype machine, Luter was dancing around without a bother in the world to his knee. And, you know, the reason why I think the 49ers haven't activated him from Pup is because he doesn't take up a roster spot if he starts the regular season on Pup and they could bring him back after four weeks. If they activated him now, he'd take up a 53-man roster spot. So, yeah, he'd be able to practice, but what at, at what cost? It would come at the cost of carrying another player on the 53-man roster. So you could see the 49ers might already be doing maneuvers like that, keeping Luter on pup for now, holding him off. Okay, just, just wait your time because they realize they have limited spots to work with uh, and they're going to have to make it count. They're going to have to make this 53-man cut down on next Tuesday as efficient as possible. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, is it six or five cornerbacks? Is it four or three um, tight ends? Is it 10 or nine defensive linemen? Is it eight or nine offensive linemen? These are all, you know, these are the questions that are going on at, at 49, 49 uh, Centennial Way or whatever the, the address is these days. But um, it, it's, the, it's the last spot at each of those positions that's that's vexing um and uh the salary cap uh, plays into it special teams plays into it um i'm i'm curious about uh robert beal for example um uh you know he's a he's a, a draft pick the 49ers want to see what they have in him he just hasn't hasn't been on the field um I, so i don't think that he makes it i think he can probably safely go to the practice squad but um, you know, there might have been another team out there, a rebuilding team that, that liked him in the draft, and uh, they decided to scoop him up. So all of this is a, is a risk, um, and it's something that you and I are, are, are currently working on. Yeah. We're going to have a 53-man prediction that drops on um, – I guess it will drop on Saturday – Maybe or maybe it'll drop right after the right game. Right after on the Friday. game, yeah. Well, yeah. why don't we rapid fire just talk through it really fast? This this could be efficient. This could be fun for for our our listeners. So, quarterback, we agree three, right? Purdy, Darnold, Lance. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we're, we're going to try to get uh, Brandon Allen to the practice squad. And yeah, Brandon Allen to the practice squad. Uh, running back: Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis, Price, Jordan Mason, and then Kyle Uzcheck. Forty ers have carried five in almost every year under Shanahan. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, and the only question there is Jack Coletto, who um, was uh, really um, sought after after the draft, and who, by the way, I thought played pretty well, a lot better than than he has. Uh, he's learning fullback uh, against the Broncos, uh, but again, he wasn't drafted, so um, you know they'll try to get him on the practice squad. Uh, and there, there could be teams that uh, that go after him as well. But yeah, I agree with you that he does not make the uh, the initial roster. So I'm keeping a practice squad tally on the right. I have Allen and I have Coletto on it. Uh, I'm maybe they put a running back on it, but we can revisit that because they only have 16 spots. And yeah, and they've gotten rid of uh, both of their undrafted rookies, which is unlike them. Uh, so, um, you know, that will be definitely, um, a scouring spot, uh, as far as the waiver wire running back. Yeah, of course. As far as uh receiver goes, obviously the, the top three here, Brandon, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, I think Ronnie Bell does make the team. And, you know, even though Randy, Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod are currently hurt, it doesn't seem that they're, you know, extremely long-term injuries they they might even be back within the first couple of weeks. Even if they weren't back within the first couple of weeks, the 49ers would want them to make the 53-man roster before putting them on injured reserve because it's the only way that you're eligible to come back for the 49ers this season. So that's my six. Ayuk, Samuel, Jennings, Bell, Gray, and and McLeod. Yeah, my, my comment on that is that um, the 49ers ran out of return from IR designations last year. So they, they have to be stingy with that, and they can't burn two right That's off the true. bat on uh, on uh, uh, McLeod and Gray, um, and, and they probably wouldn't because of what you just said. They're, they're going to be gone for the Pittsburgh game and probably the next week, maybe even the week after that, but probably not beyond a month, um, and uh, they can get away with, you know, they have to make uh, a number of guys inactive anyway. I, I do think that... Conley and Tay Martin and Willie Sneed. I mean, um, do you keep all three of those guys on the practice squad or do you just keep two of them? Yeah, so I was going to ask you. I'll put all three of them on this list right now and I have a little counter to, to let us know once we hit 16 with the list. Right now we have five. So I'll put all three. I was going to ask you who you thought would go on the practice squad because one way that you make up for any potential lost time with Gray and McLeod is by just having practice squad guys that you call up. And maybe because of those two receiver injuries, you do keep three on the practice squad. I think that's a good call. So um, tight end, obviously George Kittle. Then it's not as obvious after uh, just because of the struggles that Cam Lottu has had. But, hey, Ross Dwelly got $700,000 guaranteed. They gave Ross Dwelly the type of contract that you give a player that you expect to make the team. So he's been consistent. Dwelly's on my team. Lottu has made the team for me because I thought that he was a, he was a force out there blocking-wise, and, and he started catching the football against the Broncos. So if that continues then you're going to carry your third-round pick on the 53-man roster. And, you know, Shanahan's always carried four tight ends, so I have Charlie Werner in there as well, and then I have Braden Willis going to the practice squad. What do you think? Maybe Fumagalli, too. Maybe two tight ends on the practice squad, by the way. Yeah, Werner is really good on special teams. Um, I have to go back and look, but, um, you know, they made an inactive a uh, tight end, uh, and it usually was Ross Dwelly, if my recollection is right. Sometimes it was Warner. 
Um, the guy who was up a lot was was Tyler Croft, um, and uh, he's not an option this year. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, to me, the question is, do they keep four or do they keep three? Because we're going to, you know, have, have some questions further on down the line, and this could be a spot where, um, you know, like I said, uh, they usually made an active one of their tight ends each week. Uh, so they only have three up on game days. Uh, why not just have three on the active roster? So that, that could could be a spot where they save a space. Well, they save a space. So, and so who do you think they would put down if, if they were to save a space? I have Kittle, Werner, Latu as my top three, but Latu is a rookie also. So, I mean, are you going to really rely on him from the get-go? <laughs> he hasn't been a, a fast starter, either at Alabama or here. So that would be the argument for four, is that Latu might start the season as the inactive guy. Um, obviously, I haven't uh, made a lot of conclusions on this yet. I'm going to work on this, David, by the way, on Friday. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start to really think about it then. It would be cheaper because they might be up against the cap to keep Ross Dwelly on the 53 just because of the guaranteed money than Charlie Werner. So that that's another consideration. So if they're going to play this practice squad game of having only three on but trying to get a guy back to the practice squad, um, Werner might be the victim that has to go to to the practice squad. So stuff like that might end up mattering to the 49ers this year. So we'll see. Let's keep on talking about it uh, before we finalize this. On the line, I have him taking eight offensive linemen, and currently I have 10 defensive linemen if we want to knock uh, the, the lines out in one fell swoop. Uh, obviously, your starters, you're starting five. It, you know, it would be way more efficient for roster purposes if they were able to trade or find some kind of swing tackle who could actually be a swing tackle. Because as of right now, you're having to carry two of these guys, Jalen Moore and and Matt Pryor, if you need backups for left and right. Or you you try to carry Matt Pryor on the practice squad and call him up if if needed. But an in-game injury to Colton McKivitz would be trouble because you I guess Jalen Moore can play on both sides, but but still it's it's just kind of a mess. They're not happy with Jalen Moore right now. Uh Nick Zakel is very unproven. Feliciano is your obvious number six, but Boy, when I'm looking at depth, I, I don't know, Matt. Are they going to carry eight? Are they going to carry nine? Is Il Manning going to make this team because he's versatile? Is he going to go to the practice squad? What do they do with the offensive line? Yeah, I think they keep nine, um, and I don't okay. think Il Manning makes it. I think he's somebody for the future to look at, but he's only played tackle so far. He hasn't played any center or guard. So uh, he has future versatility, but he doesn't have current versatility. But, um, yeah, I mean, just listening to Furster, it sounds as if they have to take both of the backup tackles. Uh, Feliciano is ahead of Zakel. Um, I mean, Zakel would be the one I would consider cutting. I don't think anybody's going to snap him up. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they, they could use the depth at, uh, at guard and, and center. So, uh, I do think it'll be nine, though, uh, with with Zakel and Pryor being the the last two guys. All right, I'm going to move Pryor on the spreadsheet up to that 53, but it's going to make us make a make a 
cut somewhere. Well, yeah, make a cut somewhere else. That's it's yeah. just a tough business. Because you look at the D-line, you've got your obvious guys, Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, Jackson. Now, if we could talk, there's nothing new to update people on the Bosa front. But if he's still not around in week one, then he's not going to be taking up a roster spot, which, uh, you know, the 49ers don't want to have that benefit of, of, of this issue. They'd rather have Nick Bosa there and taking a roster spot, but that's just worth noting for procedural purposes. Cleland Farrell, Kevin Givens, Javon Kinlaw, Austin Bryant, you know, Kevin, Kerry Hyder is going to make this team. He, he, uh, I'm, I'm almost certain of it. Uh, then you've got your, your last spot there, you know, T.Y. McGill, was really good last week. He made some plays. Marlon Davidson made some plays. Uh, then there's Kalia Davis, who's been hurt for most of camp. Can you sneak somebody like him onto the practice squad? What do you got, nine or ten? Uh, they they often go with ten. I mean, if Chris Kacerik has his druthers, he'll go with ten. Davis was really interesting. He, he really looked good in the – what was the long practice of the week? The Tuesday practice. Tuesday, yeah. He was making plays – uh, in one-on-one pass rush drills, in the 11-on-11 sessions, uh, it may have been fresh legs. He's missed most of camp with a with a hamstring injury, uh, but that that quick penetration um, that the 49ers uh, saw when they drafted him that was on full display on uh, on Tuesday. So um, he, he's going to be somebody to watch on. Uh, during Friday's game. If he makes a lot of plays, I think the 49ers are going to have to keep him. Uh, and then it's one of these kind of veteran guys, T.Y. McGill, Davidson, uh, who go to the practice squad uh, because uh, he was he was balling. Uh, and they can't show that on tape if they expect to uh, to keep him around. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. The, the last couple of spots at defensive line will be fun. And, and maybe we should kind of reserve our judgment until we uh, watch the full game. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have some placeholders, but we'll reserve the right to, to change it up. Linebacker to two more position groups, linebacker and, and secondary, then we'll be done. Uh, Warner, Greenlaw, Burks, Winters, and Graham are my top five, but I got to make a change. I have to put Demetrius Flanagan Foles in. It'd be like $1.25 million in dead money. And the, I don't. I think that's just a very firm hint that they're planning to carry Flanagan Foles for his – uh, special teams prowess. So maybe they try to sneak, maybe they take the carry six linebackers, but you know, even if they carry six and they don't trade anybody, that means that some, one of the three really young guys that's really impressed. That's winters, Graham or Marcelin and McCrary ball is going to have to be on the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think that's true. So who do you pick among that group? I mean, I, I would go with, uh, keeping Graham and winters, and um, sending McCrary Ball to the practice squad, which is a shame because he's, he's played really well. I mean, I, I, I think he's a better linebacker than Demetrius Flanagan Bowles, who right now, by the way, is the, is the number three guy uh, with, with Oren Burks out. Uh, Flanagan Bowles is good on special teams, though, and, and he's obviously somebody that they see as one of their core special teamers. So uh, until McCrary Ball can sort of displace him there it's it's hard to see him beating him out for a roster spot but um yeah that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one because they've got so much good youth there and i'm sure they'd love to deal one of those guys like they did jonas griffith a, a couple of years ago and get a, a sixth or a seventh rounder for him so maybe that's uh, one of the positions to keep an eye on for a trade 
And so going into the final position group, the secondary, we have 55 players on our roster now. So what we definitely are going to, when we return to this, we'll have to cut some down. But it, that adds context for the DBs. You have Charvarius Ward, Ambry Thomas, Lenore, Hufanga, Gibson, your starters. Samuel Womack's going to make the team. It sounds like they're in on Isaiah Oliver to at least uh, be a big nickel in package situations against tight ends. We'll see if if that lasts. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they're able to... to to, to jettison him, but George Odom will make the team as a big time special teams player. And Jair Brown third round draft pick is going to make the team. That is nine players. As you noticed, Deshaun Jameson was not one of the names I read. And that's because we're already filled to the brim. We're already overfilled on this roster, Matt. So somebody like Deshaun Jameson, you're going to have to take your chances and try to get him through to the practice squad. That, that also underscores why Darrell Luter Jr. is still on pup because there's not room for him on the 53-man roster. You know, players that would make other teams' rosters like Quantrez Knight are on the outside looking in on my projection. Miles Hartsfield, uh, you know, he's had hasn't had a good preseason, missed those tackles. He's on the outside looking in. So um, does that group sound good to you? Is there anything that you would change there? No, I was going to – I thought that you were going to include uh, Jameson and he was going to be the one that I said, oh, boy, this is a tough one, but I think we have to to cut him. Um, I, I do think that maybe uh, going into to week one, if uh, George Odom isn't back yet, then uh, Quantrez Knight um, would be on the practice squad. But he could be an elevation guy that they could get a lot of bang for their buck with because he plays so many spots and is good on special teams as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the group I think will make it. Uh, and it's just nine, and uh, they got to they got to risk it with Jameson. I am counting, and we have 16 practice squad spots. I put Deshaun Jameson. I put Miles Hartsfield on the practice squad because it seems they they like him in the building to help communicate what Steve Wilkes wants. I think that's why they, 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 they signed him. He played for Wilkes in Carolina. I put Quantrez Knight on the practice squad, and I put uh, Taylor Hawkins on the practice squad. So we have 16 there. It's a rough list. Everybody tune into The Athletic. Make sure you read our projection at the end of the game on Friday. We just talked our way through some of it, but uh, there's still suspense right now because we have, based on what we talked about, we've got 55 players on this team, so we got to make at least two more cuts before it's said and done. All right. I think we've gone over time, Matt, but people heard the, the work behind the scenes, so I think they'll like it. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, we... Uh... We teased our 53-man roster, which, uh, you know, could change. I mean, there could be injuries. Uh, lots of things could happen on Friday night that could uh, alter our views on some of these positions. Sounds good. All right. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on Here's the Catch. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.